Hello and welcome back to the Florida Hockey Podcast. Justin Bedford, joined by Noah Russo. And how you doing this week, buddy? I, I'm doing good. Um, yeah, I can't complain. The Actually, no, the only thing I'll complain about is I goddamn miss Canada. It is too fucking hot here. Hey, well, I'm in Canada right now and it's pretty fucking hot here too. I'm like losing it. My skin is melting. Like I am 33 on a daily basis and I just can't handle it. Yeah. It's like that here too. The humidity, like I'm wearing a freaking tank top right now. I look ridiculous. It's I'm not built for the heat. Noah. I'm built for like <laughs> a, a brisk 16 degrees Celsius out. Not this I 20... say 16. I'd say like a solid, like 22 to 26 range. Yeah, well, it's just like it's annoying because Canada is cold all the time. Like it's cold all winter, right? And then it finally gets nice out, and then it gets too nice out, where you can't even do anything. Like I don't think I remember. I don't think there was spring here. I think it just went winter to heat immediately, and that's just no way to live. But you know, uh, yeah, it's not. But well, I mean, yeah, you know. I, I've been I've been like telling people I'm like we got to stop global warming. It's getting out of hand at this point. I like I'm fine for a few degrees every so often, but like on a consistent basis like this, it's it's, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, it's a little hot. Not built for it. Anyways, but. other than the extreme heat that I've been living through, I am good. How are you doing? Doing all right. Doing all right. Not a whole lot going on lately. You know, just trying to stay cool. Try to enjoy the weather when it's not this hot out. Maybe go for a nice evening bike ride. But uh, yeah, things have been good and uh, lots of you know stuff to talk about this week, which is always nice. So hopefully we'll be able to hit our uh, you know our time goal for for the episode without you know struggling for stuff like we do sometimes. I mean, there's playoff hockey on, so hopefully we, we should be fine. I'm not worried yeah. about today. There's a yeah. bunch of stuff, so little Panthers news. Um, just, little Panthers yeah. news, a little league news. You know, obviously, uh, playoffs. What do you want to start with? Ooh. I think, I think we got to start. Uh, let's, we'll start off with uh, the, the Hab sweep in the Jets. What? What, what, a, what a surprise. I Definitely nobody saw that one coming. I know no. you saw the Habs in seven in the first round. You bet. You were you were probably like one of probably five people in the world to call that because I saw Ra from Spit and Chicklets got that. Um, Woo! Not, I'm not a big I'm not a big Spit and Chicklets guy, but I mean, good for him for predicting the Habs, I guess. Um, but yeah, uh, I don't think anybody saw that round two sweep. 
No, it, yeah, it was. I thought you know Montreal, like, for, like for starters, Montreal, like hands down, was the much better team in this series. Like, no question, they deserve to win this one versus Winnipeg. Um, Winnipeg to me was just baffling because you know, for the most part, like they played pretty solid in the first round, right? Like obviously they swept Edmonton, right? And Hellebuck was tremendous and a big part of that, but on a team level, like they didn't play terribly, but in this series, so many of their players just looked lost. It was horrible. I mean, the, you, you do the blockbuster trade in, in, in mid season for, for PLD. And I mean, is there anybody who sh- showed up less than that guy? I, he got a huge promotion because Shifley we'll, – we'll get back to Shifley in a second, but Shifley's out. He gets bumped up. Just nothing. Well, it, it's – yeah, it was so bizarre. Like, I don't know what it is. Like, I think a lot of people are speculating that he might have been hurt. And to be honest, like, I hope it was, you know, a nagging injury or something because otherwise it just – it's just brutal play from him is all mm-hmm. it is. And, like, they tried him everywhere. They tried him on the first line. They tried him on the second line. They tried him on the third, at center, on wing. He just didn't work anywhere. And, the only, like, the only times he was noticeable in that series was in a bad way. Yeah. When he was just – the effort didn't look like it was there. Whatever it was, he didn't show up. And I think Winnipeg was probably counting on that, you know, especially after, you know, the Mark Shifley uh, suspension. But – and another big piece that like Winnipeg was missing in this series though was Dylan DeMello, who like That's at true. Fir- at first glance, like it, it is, you know, it's Dylan DeMello. It's not like an all-star player, but that's like a very valuable member of a Winnipeg Jets team that doesn't have great defense. Absolutely. And I mean, if you ask me who is missing, and everybody keeps saying how good he is. I didn't see it. A certain guy by the name of Connor Hellebuck. Yeah. No, like he, he, he was, I don't think he was like bad. In he the wasn't series. bad, but like for how much everyone else hypes this guy up, you expect to, UX, my apologies, you expect him to at least be able to steal one game. Yeah. Well, the thing with me is like he, he was unreal in the first round, right? No question. This round, he had like flashes of, of playing well, but I think a lot of it was just the team play in front of him was so much worse too. It, it really was. I mean, it, defense looked horrible. Um, a big part, they even got to overtime in game four was that somehow Logan Stanley manages to get two past price. And the second one Not was great. a, it literally looked like a, it, it, is incredibly similar to the Brandon Saad goal last later. night on Flurry. Yeah, like yeah, I, I, I saw that goal and I I the two seemed similar to me. Just horrible mistakes by the goaltenders. Yeah, they're ones like especially when you have world class goalies like Mark Andre Flurry and like Carey Price. Like those are the ones you expect them to stop every single time, right? Especially with some of the saves they do make, like like. Price was like pretty solid all series and in that game, but then he lets in, you know, that, that type of goal. And it's, but also impressive with Montreal, like that didn't deflate them or anything. 
Yeah, and I, like that would be an easy goal for a team to get deflated. Like you're you're playing pretty well. You're up two one. You were up two nothing, and then your goalie lets in that, but no no break in that team. They were no no they didn't, and they came out in the. I I did not actually watch this game because I went to a much worse game in the Brooklyn Nets versus Milwaukee Bucks. Was that the 39-point game? It was. It's a good game. It was not. Like, some impressive, like, I mean, Kevin Durant was unreal and, like, Blake Griffin had some really nice dunks, but – I don't care who wins. I just wanted to see a close game and I got everything but that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, no, I can imagine that would be. So I, I got back just in time for, for overtime in the Habs game, but I mean, the Habs came out in the third completely dominated. I think the jets got four shots on goal in that period. And I think three of them were within a minute of each other. Yeah. So credit to that Habs team who was playing without Jeff Petrie as well. No Jeff Petrie, no Jake Evans, uh, obviously, because he's super concussed right now. Um, and I completely forgot Jonathan Druin's on that team and is just not playing. Yeah, yeah, he's just out indefinitely right now too. Um, yeah. Back to Jake Evans on the Mark Shifley hit. We heard some uh, kind of season-ending uh, press conference today, Mark Shifley talking about the series and basically said, you know, I thought, you know, it was going to be Phil Deneau shutting me down in this series, but no, it was the Department of Player Safety. And then went on to accuse, basically say the media and, you know, you guys, the people in the room didn't believe in us all year. And, you know, you guys all had us in the basement. So I think, you know, I'm really proud of like the year we had. Uh, What are, you know, a lot of people talking about it online. What are your thoughts on those comments from Mark Shifley? He doesn't show great character. No, I it mean, isn't. He's an assistant captain in the NHL. I would expect a bit more from him. He's an assistant, right? Yeah. Or, I, yeah. Uh, sorry, the, the correct terminology is alternate captain. Um, but you expect those guys to be leaders and to be accountable for their actions. And I did not get that vibe from that press conference. I got the vibe that he felt like he was screwed over and he just couldn't get over it. And even if he was, he, he has to realize that what he did was remarkably dangerous. And he, he put a guy on a stretcher. Yeah. Like, I don't know how you see Jake Evans lying on the ice, getting put on a stretcher and somehow come to the conclusion that you're the victim here. Uh, Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. And also, like, I'm not 100% certain, but I'm pretty sure, like, a lot of media personnel and outlets also just had the Jets as a playoff team all year long and at the start of the year. Like, I'm pretty sure in our rankings, we all had them as the three or the four. I don't think I did. Well, that's because you, for no reason, don't like Connor Hellebuck. Is it for no reason? I don't know. I don't know. know. Seems like he he carries that team. But, yeah, to, to me, it was just like, not a great PR week for Mark Shifley, you know, no doubt about that. It's uh, just disappointing. You know, it's like, I, you know, I, you would just expect more from a guy like that. And he has a tremendous hockey mind. I think a lot of people have talked about that, but. Yes. Endlessly. It's, it's just, 
it's disappointing to see a guy of his caliber, of his stature, not be able to kind of just get over it and just be accountable for his actions. Yeah, like, hey, like, obviously, like, you're not happy to be suspended, but, like, you got to recognize, you know, you, you made a mistake on that play. You didn't need to do that. It was a dangerous hit. Um, and, and we were talking about this just for a second off air about the – the Paul Byron, because Eric Angles, the Sportsnet writer for the Habs, um, he he brought up the apology that Paul Byron issued when he got suspended for a hit on Mackenzie Weger in Montreal. I think it was 20... A couple, couple years ago. Yeah, 2018, I want to say. 2018-2019 season. Yeah. He got three, game, three games for charging, which, I mean, is not as much as Shifley. But, you know, he showed remorse. And Paul Barron's one of the nicest guys in the league. Is, I, I don't know. I, I, don't, I assume. That's what Eric Angles was saying. So I just assumed he was right. <laughs> but, I mean, sure. We'll go with that. He's a nice guy. But it also, like, 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 like that's nice of Paul Barron to do. But there's, there's, like, a lot of players who do stuff like that where, you know, you text a guy to see if he's okay. Yeah. Right? Like, it's like. Like, even though it was in snow, like, Corey Perry, like, he messaged John Tavares, like, after, he, you know, Tavares yeah. is taken off, right? And in a lot of cases, like, guys get, you know, if you're in a fight and guy gets KO'd, you'll, you know, send him a text, make sure he's okay. Stuff like that is relatively common with a lot of NHLers. Doesn't sound like Shifley did that to Jake Evans. Not at all. Right. And... Yeah, to me, like it's 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 been a tough week for for Mark Shifley's reputation. That is for sure. It has just plummeted. But, I mean, yeah, I just think that a guy like that, you you've got to be better, man. Yeah, that's it. You got to be better. Got to be, you know, you know, accountable for your actions. Uh, and he just, you know, hasn't he been appeal the suspension. I don't know if he could. You might have. It's very common. I mean, most players do. But usually it's public that you appeal. Yeah, I honestly can't remember because I, I just remember Kadri was appealing his. <laughs> and Kadri did not get anything. Yeah, Kadri. It's so appropriate because Kadri almost like, that was worse. That was way worse. Yeah. Like, anyways. Anyways, uh, other stuff from series we got going on. Uh Carolina knocked out by Tampa Bay and Tampa Bay's, you know, a hundred million dollars worth of players. Um, Is that what it is? Yeah. I don't know if you remember, they're actually like 17 mil over the cap, but it's, it's all, it's, it's all legal. So it's fine. There's no way 17 million over the cap would affect the outcome of the game. No. And we're not salty that, you know, Tampa Bay, you know, eliminated our Panthers, but that was like Tampa Carolina was a good series. Like those short are... though. The the problem is Carolina wasn't able to generate enough offensive pressure to get past Vasilevsky. And that was like that was really disappointing, especially in um game five. Is I mean, just they they got chances, but Andre Vasilevsky, who I'd argue is probably the best goalie in the league. I, I would hundred percent agree with that. Like that's so, a that's a thing with Andre Vasilevsky. He's an unbelievably good goalie, and then he just plays behind an unbelievable team. So like we saw kind of in the Panthers series, like 
when you go down to the Tampa Bay Lightning, like when they're up a couple goals on you, like you're not coming back. You just no. aren't. And like they won't let you. They won't. They play com- amazing shutdown hockey. And the reality is if you're up two goals, they can still come back and bite, bite it. You know, they, yeah. they can still come back in the game. And that Carolina in game four, that, that's what happened. I think Tampa was down 4-2. Is that what it was? Yeah, I think. Something like that. Um, Tampa's a really good team. I'm, I was texting with someone the other day. It was – at this point, you've, are you just expecting Tampa to repeat? Like – Well, I mean, there's, there's obviously, you know, there's some – I'm sure a couple There's some other teams. good teams. There, there, there definitely are, but Tampa's looking really, really solid. They just dummied Carolina, really, if you ask me. Yeah, and Carolina, as we saw all year long, they're a very good team, too. Very good team. Right, like, to me, the the gap between Carolina, the Panthers, and the Lightning is very, very small in terms of what they do, right? Like, you you can go back to the Panthers-Lightning series. Like, of course, the the Panthers lose, but most of the games were, like, very close, right? Right? And in the Carolina series, too, you know, most one, two-goal wins – Right. So like to me, these are and Carolina very hurt in this series too. A lot of injuries to players. Yeah. But to me, these are three teams that are very, very good and very, very close. Tampa just they just have I don't know what it is, but there's just something like that that they just find a way to win games and win series. And like you could say it's so built for playoffs. You can say it's the way they're built. You can say it's their culture. You can say it's the experience. You could say it's their goalie. Like there are a number of different things that go into it that just allow them to take that, you know, small little advantage they have over other teams and just topple them. Yeah. Right. And that's what they did to Carolina. But hopefully someone stops them next round, either Boston or the Islanders. TBD on that one. That series still going on. Uh, maybe the island just closed it out tonight. Who knows? You know, and I would think so. I don't know when you know. I'm sure you know a lot of people going to be focusing on the officiating in that one. You know, after including the officials, maybe. Yeah, you know, after Bruce Cassidy made a nice twenty five thousand dollar donation to the NHL Foundation. <laughs> for making some you know critical comments of the refs it's probably worth it though because you would think that the refs are going to come out much more vigilant are they though (laughs) i'm a firm believer that they are i i think that refs handle criticism very poorly I, I, I'm, I'm honestly really excited to see this game. It's actually about – it's going to start in probably the next 10 minutes. And we'll never get, know. You know, it could be 20 minutes. You never know what the start times. Honestly, it says 7.30, but it's probably going to start at 7.50 for some reason. Yeah, it's, probably. Like, baseball, they always announce first pitches, what, like 7.07 for 7 p.m. games. And it actually – first pitch is actually at 7.07. Yeah. Unless there's, like, some sort of well, – it's, it's the same thing in the NFL with their kickoff. Yeah. Right. And all they're like, they'll have the clock in the arena and all the staff are like, okay, this has to happen now so we can get this done because kickoff has to be at exactly this minute. And the NHL is like, the NHL, literally, the only thing that happens is 7 30 is the broadcast starts. 
Yeah, and it's like so the puck will be dropped at some point. At some point. It could be in nine minutes, could be in 20 minutes. Oh, actually, we're retiring a player's number tonight. It's going to be in two hours. You know, it's yeah. just like. All and then Tuka Rask is, I think, is slated to start tonight. He is. Which is interesting he is. because he was taken out of the game um, a couple game. days ago because he, for injury reasons. Yeah, not 100%. Quote, unquote, he was not 100%, as you just said. Um I think it's going to be a really, really interesting game tonight. And they're playing in Nassau Coliseum, which is an absolute zoo. Is it? I don't know. I've never been. From what I can see on TV, it is like an absolute horrible place to play if you're an opposing team. Yeah, the the crowd gets nuts. It is like, that's what I mean. Like, it's a zoo. It's just animals. Yeah. No, like they, they have a terrific terrific atmosphere in that arena which is you know i guess nice yeah i was actually looking at tickets they're also like i think the cheapest one i saw was 349 dollars, and it's like it's an individual ticket so you can't even like go with someone it's just alone yeah so i don't yeah i don't really want to pay that much to watch a team i don't like like sure the environment's good but like i really couldn't care less about those two teams i absolutely same so you know it, it it is what it is there. And then the last series we have. Colorado, about. Vegas. Oh, man. It was really looking in game five like Colorado had stepped up and had taken control of the series again. And then bing, bang, at the start of the third period, Vegas makes it 2-2. And what to say about Jonathan Marcheseau? Yeah. That guy has been killing it. Yeah, he's been a, he's been a beast. Like, just so clutch. I mean, he had a hat trick in the previous game, makes it two two, and then it goes to overtime. I think JT Comfer had like an insane slot shot at like the first right 10 out of the seconds. Gate, yeah. yeah, and then your pick for Selkie winner, Mark Stone, brings him back and seals the fate of the game. Yeah, that's just, you know, that's what Mark Stone does. That's why he's got the C on the chest. Unreal player. Uh, but, yeah, that series has been great. Um, what a bit surprise, especially after game one, where Colorado just, like, dummied them. And I was like, oh, this this might be bad. Like, you know, obviously Colorado is the favorite going in, but these are two very, very good teams. And then the next the three games, Vegas was really, really dominant, even though they lost one of them. Yeah. And then last night, you know, Colorado – pretty good too it was a pretty even game for the most who part. knows what happens in game two if riley smith doesn't get called there yeah not a great call little weak but i mean yeah i'm i am scared for colorado having to go play game six in vegas is a very similar situation to the bruins tonight yeah it's a tough it's a tough place to it's a tough situation to go and play for your season in the other team's building it's tough vegas is literally fully reopen yeah. like they have zero covid protocols in place anymore yeah it's just been it's a free-for-all it's just normal which is which has to be like an like which for montreal if they play vegas that's going to be really interesting to see yeah the because these canadian teams have not seen like more than 2500 fans but those 2500 fans 
apparently were very felt, loud. Felt like 25,000. I saw that. Yeah. According um, to that one guy. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to see. But it's that's going to be a really good game. Really yeah. good game. Yeah. It's, I, I, as I said, I am worried for Colorado. But if they can... If they can get off to a hot start and just kind of control the tempo of the game, yeah, it's their game to lose. Yeah, but it's... if they if they give Vegas breathing room, it's going to be really tough. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they're two just very very even teams where they both just have guys that can kill you. I mean, unbelievable credit though to Mark Stone though, because like. Oh, of course, he gets the OT winner last game, but like he's done a really good job of limiting Nathan McKinnon in this series. Yeah, and I think Nazem Kadri's back for Colorado at Game Six. Is that correct? Of course, I think so. Yeah, is he the difference maker? We'll find out. I mean, hopefully, a positive difference maker this time. We will. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. You never know with that guy. Absolutely. Absolute wild card. Um, okay, second last thing here before. We end things. Norris Trophy finalists released today. Kale McCarr, Victor Hedman, and Adam Fox. Of those three, obviously you picked – I think you picked before the season, you picked Adam Fox to win the Norris. I sure did. And I picked Kale McCarr. So – Victor Hedman's going to win it. (laughs) Probably. Um, but of the three, who do you think wins it and who do you think deserves to win it? So it's tough because both Victor Hedman and Kale McCarr have been sidelined with injuries and or COVID. Yeah. I, I think one of the two deserves it as much as I am proud of my pick and I'm, I'm glad I made it. And I, I, I think Adam Fox is a fantastic defenseman. I don't know if he deserves it. It's a lot, a lot, a lot of power play points. It's a lot, but he, like he is, a, like he's he a is, stud. Ter- he's terrific. Like to me, first of all, I don't even think Hedman deserves to be in the top three this no. season, right? Like, do I think Victor Hedman is one of the very best defensemen in the National Hockey League? Absolutely, but he didn't have a top three season by a defenseman this year. He just didn't. He was hurt, right? It's not you know, necessarily his fault to me. Like if you would, if you ask me who I think the three most deserving defensemen are, it's probably Kale McCarr in no order. I mean, Kale McCarr would be my number one pick, but probably Kale McCarr, Adam Fox and Charlie McAvoy would be my third. I love Charlie McAvoy. I honestly think he's one of the most underrated defensemen in the league. I don't think he's talked about enough in that top tier like first pairing D's. No, and you and you know why? It's because he's not flashy. Like Kale McCarr, effective. Like Kale McCarr, like his skating's ridiculous, and everyone loses it over that. And like I, I do too, because it's sick, right? And Adam Fox, super slick out there too. Charlie McAvoy just plays good hockey. It's not ex- as he's, exciting. He's a fantastic skater too, though. Underrated skater. Uh, like very very smooth, but. As you said, is not as flashy as Kale McCarr. No, I, th- I think, yeah, I think like... And Kale, Kale Mc- McCarr is a, to a degree a little more offensive than McAvoy as well. Yeah, but he also gets the opportunity. Like McAvoy doesn't always, he's not always in the power play, right? It's no. Like Grizzly. Yeah. Right. To me, like, 
with Kale McCarr, like in and Adam Fox, there's a lot of flash there, right? A lot of you know exciting stuff. Charlie McAvoy, to me, his game is just about like efficiency and just getting to the right areas, making the right plays, and that's what you do very consistently. So to me, he like I think absolutely deserves to be in that Norris conversation. I'm also very curious to see where Mackenzie Weger finishes because he had an excellent year. Like, he didn't have the best playoffs, but I, he was he balled out this year in the regular season, especially when Ekblad went down. I, I wish Ekblad could have had a full season because I wouldn't be surprised if he would have been like up there and voting as well. Yeah. Yeah, I, I imagine he would have been up there. My guess is Weger finishes somewhere between five and eight. And if he doesn't, if he finishes lower, I think that's just an egregious oversight. Yeah. That being said, you put a gun to my head or you tell me you have to put money on one guy to win it. At this point, it's probably Kale McCarr. Yeah, Kale McCarr is my winner for sure. Yeah. He'd be my pick. And I think like either I'd be like, I wouldn't be mad if it was Fox either. Like, I think those are both two excellent picks of the finalists. But I think McAvoy is a notable omission from the top three. And I think Mackenzie Weger for the season he had, I think he deserves to be in the mix as, you know, one of the top five best defensemen this year. Yeah, and, absolutely. And, you know, I, I think both the eye test would support that. And I think the, the analytics support it too. all the, the data and the metrics that are available. I think he is that effective. And so for me, I, I'm, I'm excited to see where he finishes. He probably finishes lower than that because place for the Panthers but he plays for, like that's just the reality of the situation like it's just the way it is sometimes it's the way it goes nothing it's, it's not right it's not but you can't you really can't do anything about it yeah um last thing here uh Anton Lindell obviously uh you know speaking to media today he's getting ready to come over uh looks like in August uh down to Florida really looking forward to it took home a silver medal at the world championships, just had an insanely good year in, you know, in every tournament, every level he played, he was unbelievable. One of the better, you know, best players on his teams uh, all season long, any competition. Um, And now it's coming over next year. What are your expectations for him next year? Do you think he makes the team? And if he does, where do you see him slotting in? And what do you think reasonable expectation for Panthers fans for Anton Lundell next season? I think if he can carve out a spot on the roster, it's that three C spot. I don't think coach Q will put him in that, that fourth on the fourth line role. I don't think that's, I think that he's a very, very suitable third C this early in his career. But if if he can if it's tough because if he makes that NHL roster that's where I think he slots in. If he doesn't, I really think he's going to be playing top line minutes in Charlotte, which could be really good for his development. So I'm kind of torn between wanting to see him in the NHL right away, or kind of just going a, a one more year for him to get used to North American hockey. And even halfway through the year, he can get called up. So I would kind of, like, I'd, I'd, I'd be lenient towards lending him to Charlotte for half a season 
playing top line minutes, seeing how he develops there, and then making a decision whether or not to have him finish the season there or bring him up. But that's that's kind of those are my expectations right now for him. Yeah, I was kind of thinking along the same kind of lines. Like I think you know if I'm the Panthers, I bring in a guy I want to be my three C, right? And I plan for Lindell to you know maybe get in some preseason games, maybe you know, he plays a couple at the start of the season. Right. But have him play the majority of the season in Charlotte, just because <clears throat> as good as he's been and as you know, physically mature as he is. And uh, you know, the type of game he plays, there's that adjustment to the smaller ice. So I'm thinking just, you know, a little bit of time to, to get used to that in the AHL would be beneficial. And then you also have the option where if there's at any point in the season, you have an injury to one of your guys go down, you have a guy who you feel pretty good about, calling up like I think he's very capable of being a competent 3C in the NHL I really believe that like I think he could do it right now do I think that should be the plan no because you ideally want him to play as much as possible and develop which is where and and there's I I don't think I mean this is kind of off the top of my head but there's no shortage of finished players in Charlotte for the upcoming season so he'd be with fellow countrymen which i think is huge for development of overseas players who aren't like you have to be elite yeah to be I, able to come in right away without anybody you know to kind of guide you yeah because there's a lot of guys when they come over like you forget like how different the culture is learning a new language it can be a difficult adjustment having guys around you that you know have had similar experiences is always beneficial like I'm sure, you know, the plan has always been for Alexander Barkov to serve as, you know, a mentor for him when he's, you know, around the team and he's in the NHL. But with the AHL, there obviously there's some guys there too that can can kind of guide him. Um, I really think that's why Capo Caco fluked, uh, flunked like so bad his first season. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, it, it's a tough situation. I'd say the same thing like with uh, Pulyarvi and Edmonton. They had one Finnish player at the time, and then they put him up in a hotel, not living with a teammate. And it's like, it's tough. Oh, yeah. It's like, a I mean, completely different culture for these guys. Yeah, it, different culture, different language, and everything's new to them. Like, um, yeah, we talk about, I mean, the, the style of hockey is different, but. You know, the culture is very different. Just different, and these guys are kids. Yeah, to to go move to an entirely new country at you know the age of eighteen, nineteen, even, very even big twenty or twenty one. I mean, you're still young. I mean, to go there alone is is huge. Yeah, and the good thing is that you know wherever he ends up, AHL, NHL, Wendell won't be alone. You'll have guys around him that are you know Finnish at least and speak the language which should help with that transition. Um, but yeah, I think, I think the AHL is probably where I'd be starting him. If he does find a way to carve out and be a regular NHLer for, for the duration of the season, I would expect somewhere between around 30 points. Yeah. I would say I think like, that's a reasonable expectation. I think it's conservative. I, I like it. Probably like, I'd see him with like ten to fifteen goals, and then yeah. twenty to fifteen assists. And and, and that, like, th- like he would be playing on the third line, 
and 30 points is about third line production. So it would represent yeah. him to me, 30 point around that, you know, point total would represent a guy who's, you know, met the challenge and met the goal of being a third line center. And then it's okay. Can we increase his usage, increase his role? But to me, that would be the kind of pass fail mark for a season would be around there. Yeah. And I, it's always tough, right. With those like kind of saying pass fail, like, well, it's just like, like, would you say he's like, it's not pass fail. It's, is he ready not, for more? Is he ready yeah, for more? Of a role? Yeah. I get, I get what you mean. It's not like, or like, or like, do you feel like he has to take a step back? And then that's, that's always my worry is that you, you throw him in too early and then you have to send him back to the AHL, not even back just to the AHL period. And then that process would have been kind of skipped. Had you just sent him to the AHL right away? Yeah. And it's, yeah. I mean, like, again, like I wouldn't plan for him to be the third line center next year. I would absolutely bring in an established third line guy and have Wendell in the AHL playing 20 minutes a night uh, for Charlotte. But then if, you know, if an injury hits and you need to call a guy up, I think that's probably a guy you bring up. Mm-hmm. And because of his two way game and how, how good he is at that, you'd feel pretty comfortable playing him in, you know, a bunch of different situations and you'd feel good about putting him out there, you know, towards the end of a game, protecting the lead. Like there's a lot of versatility with this player. Huge versatility. I mean, this guy was playing three on three overtime overtime for Finland in in the gold medal game. I mean, he's he, he's had experience in very very cl- like huge huge moments. Yeah, you know, he's he's like he's had a ton of really good experience and a lot of really good success success at a lot of levels. Now it's just what's, you know, seeing him at the next level. I mean, he's met every challenge so far in his career, right? And, you know, he's progressed, like, you know, as much as you would like, you know, that type of prospect to develop. Now it's, is he ready or not to take the next, next step? Uh, and we'll find out, you know, start a training camp. And, you know, this is, this is a guy I think a lot of Panthers fans are, you know, excited for, looking forward to seeing play. And he's, you know, slated to be a big part of, you know, this team in the future. So Mm -hmm. uh, we'll just have to wait and see, but that does it for this episode of the podcast. We're going to sign off, go watch some hockey. Uh, But thank you to everyone tuning and listening to this week's episode. We'll be back on Monday with a brand new episode. Uh, So hope you all tune into that one as well and enjoy the rest of your week and we'll see you then.